Get your Bibles open this morning, if you would. How many came excited to hear God's Word? Amen. How many love God's Word? I do too. Amen. And the, the more you fall in love with God, the more you fall in love with His Word. Amen. I'm going to look this morning mostly out of the beginning of the book and the middle of the book. So I want to look in Genesis and Malachi today, which is the first book of the Old Testament and the last book of the Old Testament. And I want to start off in Malachi chapter 3, if you'd go there. Say amen when you get there. Malachi chapter 3. I want to talk a little bit this morning, if you're taking notes and you want a title, about I want God's rest, God's blessings, and God's best. I'm going to say that again. This is what I want this morning. I want God's rest. I want God's blessings, and I want God's best. How many want that from the Lord this morning? Amen? His best, His blessings, and His rest. And that's the title this morning, and we're going to tie some things in this morning that the Lord has put on my heart as we read Genesis, or sorry, Malachi chapter 3. I haven't heard everybody say amen yet, so I'll wait just a little bit longer. That's easy to find because it's right before Matthew. Amen. Matthew chapter 3. I want to read... Verse, I got to get there myself. Verse 8, if you'd say, if you're there. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what have we robbed you? And it says, in what? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Amen? Now, you might already say, okay, we know where pastor's going this morning. That is a tithing and offering verse. But I want to talk this morning a little bit about the character of God and us with Him, what He wants from us and what we want from Him and how He's a God of covenant. Now, I want to mention this morning, not to scare you, but to get you to understand that we know that we're in perilous times. Some might say, well, it doesn't seem like the economy is that bad right now and everything seems to be pretty good. But we know from history that we're in a year right now and everybody that's been coming to this church for very long knows that we've been talking about the end times. We've been talking about prophecy. We've been talking about where we're at in Scripture. And we've noticed that there's some cycles in God's kingdom and we noticed that if we go back the last 15 years to 2001 and to 2008, seven, seven times each one, uh, God's work, a God of cycles, that 2001, I remember 9-11, we had a horrible economic crash. Then in 2008, we had a worse economic crash. Stock market went down higher than it's ever gone in the history of the stock market. Well, now we're in 2015 and we've just a ground, get quick groundwork. I'm not going to spend much time on this part, but quick groundwork says that uh, this is a Shemitah year, meaning a year of rest. 
And uh, we're in that right now. 2015 started September. It'll end this September. And in that, we understand that God's a God of cycles. And it always said that the six years before the seventh year in the Bible, this goes all the way back to Genesis, they would either be a year of blessing or it would be a year of cursing. And it would depend on the lives of the people those six years before, the nation, the country, and all those different things. Well, how many know that our nation's not getting better? It's getting worse. Our morals are decaying every year, every day. More and more things are, are going wrong. And so uh, uh, this, uh, looking at this year, we can say from history, I'm not trying to prophesy something bad. I'm trying to tell you that the forecast says. And how many know this is the kind of life I like to live? How many like to live a preventative life instead of a life of fixing things after it's broke? I like to look ahead and see if there's anything coming that I can prepare myself for. And I, and I can tell you that if history repeats itself, this is going to be another year of economic crisis at nearing the end of this year. Now, do I say that to scare you? No, I say that to tell you that it's going to happen because it's happened before. And what I want you to understand is God is a God of covenant. Christians, believers, children of God do not have to be afraid of anything that happens in this world. And I've always told you that we can live above those things. We can be better than those things. We can rest, be blessed, and have God's best in the hardest, worst times this world faces. Let me say that again so you'll get it. We can be in rest, meaning peace. We can be blessed and we can have his best in the hard times. Even if a crisis happens in September and, and we're still here on this earth and Jesus hasn't come back yet, we are going to be able to be, live above whatever happens on this earth because of the covenant of God. Amen? So I want to talk a little bit about money and finances and stewardship and all these different things. And if you're visiting or if you haven't been here very long, don't worry, I don't do this very much. Jesse's been here, I know, almost a year probably, right? When, 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 what year, month did you get saved, Jesse? Okay, six months at least, seven months. I don't know how long that is. Longer than eight months, eight months. And I've never preached a message on finances yet, which means I'm not preaching it enough. I need to do it more often because a lot of times we come in and we, we okay, tithes and offerings. And we, what do I do? Oh, I'm supposed to, okay. And we start learning and then we give, but we don't really, really know why. Why we're given. So I want to I want to show you some stuff. A lot of times people say, well, Malachi is the only scripture. I'm going to show you some stuff this morning is not the only scripture. And I want to show you not just a scripture that says tithe. I want to show you some scriptures that show the character of God. Okay, the character of God. Now, I want to read this one more time so you have a good understanding, because it is the clearest, most easiest, most precise verses in the Bible about tithing. And right now, if you're here, you're saying, Pastor, are you trying to get my money? Nope. I'm trying to get God's money to you. I'm trying to get God's provision to you. We don't need, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need it. You need God's money. Let me say that again. God don't need your money. You need God's money. And if you want to have his provision, you've got to do what he wants and what he asks and what he teaches. And so I'm going to break down a few things this morning to, to show you some things and I hope you get a little hungry this morning for the word and you really pay attention to some things 
and, and listen closely and let God show, man, I'm doing right here. Maybe you're a tither and you say, okay, I want to I confirm this morning that I'm, I'm doing right. Maybe you're not and you say, well, I want to see why, that, what's this about? Maybe, you're, maybe you've been taught something growing up or heard something that tithes not for the New Testament church or tithes not for today or whatever. There's all kinds of different backgrounds in a service, all kinds of different beliefs. Well, the word of God will destroy all those things and give us an answer this morning. It'll give us the truth this morning. So let's read this one more time. And first of all, Malachi is a prophetic book. It's a minor prophet and it's the last book of the Bible. So it's ending up and he's prophecies always able to talk about the then, but it's always talking about to the future. And so he's mentioning something going on there, but he's looking forward more to the future and saying, well, there'll come a time when people will rob God. Think about that. Will there come a time when people will rob? Can you, that sounds crazy, doesn't it? Rob God? That, that, that doesn't even sound possible, but he says there'll come a time when people will rob God. And he says, verse 8, let's look at this again. He says, yet you have robbed me. That's this prophecy of God saying to the future people. And they say, well, what have we robbed you? And he says, real clear, tithes and offerings. I mean, it's not any clearer than that. It can't be. What have we robbed you in? Tithes and offerings. Giving to the Lord. And so he says, because of that, here's the scary thing. And, and, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to scare you, but God's word speaks for itself. You're cursed with a curse. If you don't do what God asks, and I'm not, I'll get there in a second. Don't worry. I'm just leading it. If you don't do what God asks, he says, you're cursed with a curse. I don't want God's curse on my life. I want God's blessing on my life. He says, for you have robbed me. And he says, even this whole nation. And then he says, here's what you can do. And this is what's cool about God's grace. Brian mentioned it at the prayer. Grace means I've messed up before today, but today I can start over. Amen. That goes with any sin we talk about, any situation we're in. The, the word can always come fresh and we can say, Lord, I'm going to meditate on this. Lord, I've made some mistakes today. I'm starting fresh. I'm going to start. Okay, what do I do? He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? The church. That there may be food in my house. And he says, try me in this. And I'm going to go on to the rest of the blessings. But he says, I'll bless you if you do that. Now, a lot of people just stop there. I want you to go to the book of Genesis, if you would. And I'm going to show you some really cool stuff. Look at somebody and say, get ready to see some cool stuff. I know that was a big sentence. But some of y'all are still trying to say it. Amen. Genesis. All the way back in the beginning. I love going all the way back to the beginning. Seeing what God started off with. Because a lot of people today, and I have to teach you what, what's in the world. Because how many know that we're in a lot of false doctrines and false uh, 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 prophets and false teachings today? Right. The Bible said that would happen. So when I say these things, some of y'all have never been in another church, thank God. This is, you got saved here, this is your church. When I talk about what things are being taught, I'm not talking about a specific church. I'm talking about a spirit of false doctrine and lies and twisting the truth. I'm not, I'm not dogging a church, but the, the Bible says in the last days, people will not endure sound doctrine. And so there's a lot of teaching today in the churches. My dad mentioned this one time when he was uh, taking up the offering that a lot of churches don't even take up an offering. They just have a box. And, and they just ask you to stick it in there. Well, that takes away from the offering. That takes away from the worship. That takes away from the spirit of giving it in the basket and praying over it and taking the time to do it. And, and, and that's what God wanted. He says it's an act of service and an act of love. But the, the, the truth is, watch this, the truth is, some of those churches, if you have 15,000 people, 
You don't have to talk about it at all. If everybody gave a dollar, you $15,000 in an offering. Think about it. I mean, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have to worry about it. But that's, that's a whole other story. We do it because it teaches people and about money. And sometimes people say, people say, well, people, all, people, all church does is talk about money. That's not true. But it's funny how the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Everything you do and I do this morning has to do with money. Everything. And a lot of people have a twisted look on money. A lot of people, uh, it's their God. It's their God. Amen. Mr. Mayweather last night, the guy who won that boxing match said, hey, I don't, money's not important to me. He said, money's the only thing to me. So we know what his God is. And even the, even the lead into the fight said something about that, 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 uh, that, uh, it was that well, people call it good versus evil. That doesn't really matter. But he specifically said that it was, they said it was a thing of deities. Pacquiao said he was a you know, believer in Christ and everything. And then they said his money, his God was money. How many know some people whose money is their God? Now, we can break it down to us and say sometimes, well, I don't have a lot of money, so it's not my God. You can be poor, dirt poor, and money can be your God. It's a spirit. That's not generous. That's not wanting to give to the Lord. So I want to go all the way back to Genesis and read the character of God before I get into a few things. And let me let me do one more thing before I do that, because everybody's at different places in a church. There's people who are working for minimum wage. Praise God for that. And there's people who have their own businesses. There's some people who make a little. There's some people who make a lot. There's some people who make in between. Everybody's on different places. But the principle of God is the same no matter where you're at. But I want you to know this morning where you're at right now, regardless of what you make, I want to remind you how blessed you already are. Okay? We live in the United States of America, which is the most blessed nation still, okay, right now in the, in the, in the world when it comes to, to money. And let me, let me put that in perspective for you because some of you say, man, I ain't got nothing to give. I don't make enough money. Let me just throw something out to you. Did you know that the average income in America, and obviously the real rich and the real poor pulls both sides, the average income in America is $51,000 a year. That's over $4,000 a month. Average. Some of you say, man, I don't make anything close to that. You're going to realize how much you make in just a second. Okay? But the average income in America is $51,000 a year. You know what that breaks down to? $140 a day. A day. $140 a day. Some of you might say, well, that's a lot of money. Some of you might say it's not that much. But let me tell you what the poverty level in America is. Poverty level. Poverty level. $23,000 a year. Poverty level. Some of y'all say, yeah, man, I'm poor. That's all I make. Poverty level shouldn't even be called poverty level. If you look anywhere outside of the country we live in. Okay, because let me tell you what the average is in the world. In the world. Now, again, all the rich people make it go way up. All the poor people make it way go, go way down. This is worldwide. I told you America. Now, let me tell you the world. The average income worldwide is ten thousand dollars a year. Average. So your poverty level, come on, give me an amen so I can move on. Our poverty level, we're so poor in the United States. 
is twice the average income in the world. Just so you already know you're blessed. Before I even move on. Okay? Twice. $23,000 to 10. That average is out to $63 a day. Average. Poverty level. Okay? $27 a day worldwide. So you have, if you are in the poverty level of America, on the, what they call it, you're making twice as much money as a poor person as the average person in the world. There's 7 billion people in the world. 200 or well, 300 million in the United States. Y'all follow me for a second? I'm just trying to just put things in perspective real quick so that you already realize no matter what I say this morning, you're already blessed. And then I went all the way down a little further and I said, okay, let me just go to the minimum wage, America. Let, let's not even do, let's just 40 hours a week, minimum wage, 750 an hour. Is that what it is right now? 725 an hour. And well, maybe I was prophesying. Amen. 725 an hour comes out to $14,000 a year. Working minimum wage, you still are $4,000 more than the world. Average, not poverty. And poverty is $2 a day. There are countries all over the world that make $2 a day. Okay, so I just wanted to throw that out before we go and read this because a lot of times we live a woe is me life and we think, man, I, I, I'm not, I just want more and I need more and all of us are guilty because we are already blessed just to live in the United States of America, just to have food at every meal, just to have a place to live, just to have food or clothes on our back, just to have a building to come have church in. We have way above and beyond most people in the world already. But let's look at Genesis chapter 2. This is in the very beginning. God worked on the seventh day in verse 3. And it says, watch this. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Which, sorry, because in it he did what? What did he do on day seven? Rested. Okay, my title is, I want God's rest. I want to be blessed. And I want God's best. And you're going to see this in just a second. So God has a time of rest. Even God rested. And God, not that God needs rest because God's God, but God was teaching us, I need you to rest and I want to sanctify, I want to show you this, sanctify something. And starting this off right now, I'm going to see this in a second more. When God sanctifies something, he says, this is mine. Amen. Okay, this is mine. Not like a, not in the attitude of a kid, this is mine, but this is mine. God says, this is mine. And, and how many know God's got some things? He says, don't touch. Amen. Don't touch it. Don't go near this. And so he sanctified the seventh day. That's why church is so important. That's why having a day unto the Lord is so important. And, and, we've, and I'm not going to go chase that rabbit. Amen. But that God sanctified the seventh day. So we'd come to church. We'd be in his house. We'd set it aside. And, and then he goes on further in verse 9. If you'd go there. Or 8. He says he planted a garden eastward in Eden. And he put the man there who he formed. Adam's alive now. And watch this. He says out of the, out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that grows that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life. Y'all reading with me? Was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Okay, so we've got a garden. God built it. Seventh day rested. He made Adam. Now he says, Here's, this is what I want you to go live here. And then he says, there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. Still with me? Talks about some rivers. And let's go to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. That's the picture of us today with our lives. What we're doing, he gives us life. He says, you take care of it. You'll be a steward of the life I give you. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. That's what he does with us. Okay, live your life and, and, and tend to life. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, watch this, I want you to get this, saying, of every tree, say every, of the garden you may freely eat. That's blessing. God says, everything I've made. Listen, this, can you imagine what the Garden of Eden looked like? Just go, son and daughter, and have your way, and everything is yours. And you can eat of it freely, and you can do whatever you want it, but God is a God of but. But. Remember, verse, remember the verse we just read where the seventh day sanctified? He says, that, he says, what he says is six days I give you to do what you want. Seventh day is mine. Okay? The seventh day is mine. So in everything that God gives, he gives, I give you this, but this is mine. Okay? So all the way back in the beginning, we see the character of God is he's a giver. But he always expects something back from us. Okay? He's a giver, but he expects us to be stewards. And so he says, I give you everything. And then what does he say in 17? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. Okay? Y'all with me? Picture the garden. Picture this church. Picture all the flowers, plants, chairs, lights, everything. God says, everything in here is yours. Generic example. But that one tree up there in the corner, don't touch that one. Everything's you can touch. You can let the kids run wild. They can touch whatever they want. You can eat whatever you want. If there was fruit on the trees, you can sit where you want. You can lay where you want. You can do whatever you want in here, but don't touch that tree because that tree right there is mine. Okay, that's the character of God. Six days, seventh days, mine. Here's the garden. All is yours, but that right there, don't touch it. So we see the principle of tithes and offerings all the way back in the garden when God says, I give you everything but this one part. Okay? If people don't know what a tithe is, go, you can go look in the dictionary. It's very simple. It's a tenth. It just means tenth. And so God says all the way back in, in, the, in, in, in Malachi, he says, I want you to give to me. He says, everything you earn, everything you make it work is yours. But 10% tenth of what you get I want that's mine he says that's mine just like he said that's mine just like he said the seventh day is mine he said that tenth is mine and when we don't give to God his tenth what's his we walk cursed because what happened in the garden when were they cursed when they touched that tree when they ate of that fruit and isn't that human nature that we have all of this, but we go and touch what we're not supposed to touch. God says, I give you all this income, and I just broke it down that if you think you're poor, you're not. You have all this money, 
all this job, whether it's a lot or a little, in your own perspective, doesn't matter. That has anything to do with it. He says, all this is yours, but I need you to give me mine. And if you'll give me mine, I'll bless yours. I'll bless yours. But if you hold yours, I don't want to curse you. God's not a God. Oh, God would curse somebody. He doesn't want to. He just wants us to obey. There was a story in Samuel, and it says very clearly, without going to the story and taking time, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. He just wants us to obey. And so today, the principle is, if, if, if I come and get saved and I give my life to the Lord, God's kingdom has to advance. And God says, all the way back in the beginning, if I don't make some kind of, uh, of, of uh, something that I would ask the people to give me, I know how they are. They're, gonna, they're takers. My people are takers. Okay, How many have got kids and your little ones always go grabbing? Yeah, mine. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's the spirit, amen, in, of sin. Okay, that goes all the way back to the garden that says, no, mine, 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 mine. Amen? Just to lighten it up a little bit. Okay, y'all following me? What does a kid do? Mine. You, you don't have to teach someone to steal. Leave a $5 bill out. You don't have to go, hey, that you, it, don't take that. That kid will take it automatically. Okay? So how many follow me? So God, all the way back in the garden in Genesis, shows his character. That he says, I give, I give, I give, but I sanctify things that are mine. And if you want to live a life of rest, and you want to live a life of blessings, and you want to live a life of the best that God has, then you need to obey and give God what's his sanctified money. Tenth of everything you own. Okay, now I'm going to give you some more here. Okay, but I wanted to show you that because, again, I I never got to what churches teach. A lot of churches teach that just like they do a lot about a lot of stuff. People have got really twisted ideas and understandings about the law. First of all, because they think that that old Old Testament law, it's just it's just old. They just think it's just it's done and away with. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish or remove or get rid of the law. I came to fulfill it. Okay? We know that there are certain things like sacrificing lambs that we don't do anymore. But do you think that when Jesus came to die on the cross that he abolished the Ten Commandments? No. Matter of fact, he just said, I'm just going to sum them up. He said, these Ten Commandments are summed up in that you love your neighbor as yourself. He never said, don't do the Ten Commandments. And so a lot of people take the, the Old Testament and they just throw it out. Oh, Malachi is in the Old Testament. Oh, well, tithing, Leviticus 27, that's under, the old, that's under the law. And they just begin to say, we don't need to tithe no more. And that's what they say. But what they don't understand is tithing's all the way back, way back in the book of Genesis. And the, Moses' law came after Genesis and after the Abraham covenant. Okay, so let me show you a couple of verses in chapter 14. Go to 14 real quick in Genesis. And we'll break down real quick and, and abolish the idea that we don't have to tithe in the New Testament. That's not for us. Even though Malachi is a prophetic word going to the future saying, you have robbed me. What have we robbed you in? Tithes and offerings. He, if we didn't need tithes anymore, he just said offerings. Right. But he said, no, you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. Okay, so, the, the, and let me just break this down for elementary, for anybody that's here. Tithing is not where you get your blessing from. I said, rest, blessed, and the best. You don't get, you don't get a blessing from being, from being a tither. That's obedience. Okay? Understand that. How can I be blessed for doing something I'm supposed to do? 
extra credit in school comes when you do something extra. Amen. You don't get extra credit for going to school. Okay? You get extra credit when you do something above and beyond what you've been asked to do. You don't get paid for overtime if you don't work overtime. You're not going to have overtime hours on your check if you work 40 hours. And so the thing about God is he says, I, I have a, and, and listen, let me, let me rephrase that. Obviously, there's a blessing because you're in covenant. I mean the true blessing of God. The, the overflowing comes when you have given your ten, and then out of your heart and out of your 90%, you give offerings. That's where the true increase comes from. Okay? And a lot of people are obviously in the place where they're not tithing and also the walking cursed. And you've got other people who are tithers. I'm, and listen, I'm not dogging this. I'm just, it's an example. You make 15, or $1,547 and it's, you tithe 157 and 43 and I mean, you do the cents. That's fine. But learn to round up. Learn to give something extra to God. Amen. Don't be stingy. And so a lot of people, and that's good. You're there. You're complying. You're good. But I don't, how many don't want to be compliers? I want to be, I want to be blessed. I want to have a generous heart. And so I give. And if you're there, praise God. If you're there, don't go backwards, but begin to learn that you can go forwards. Amen. And now I can give out of my 90, the, the true blessing. And that's a whole other message. But I threw that out. The true blessing comes from the offerings. That's why he has tithes and offerings. If he didn't expect it, he would have just said tithes. But offerings. And so tithes are for the church. Okay? If, if the Lord puts on your heart to give offerings to a missionary, to that guy in Israel, to some other place or whatever, that's between you and God. But you do not give your tithes anywhere else but the church you come to. Amen. You don't send tithes to a missionary. You don't send tithes to a ministry. You don't send tithes to so-and-so. You don't give your tithes to someone on the street. Tithes is for the storehouse. Okay, it's for the storehouse. Because if everybody did that, we wouldn't be able to be sitting here today. Let me tell you that right now. We wouldn't be in a church because we wouldn't be able to pay the bills. He says the storehouse has got to be taken care of first. So offerings are somewhere else. Genesis 14. Say amen if you're there. This is really, some of you may have never heard this right here. This isn't new doctrine. This is just revelation. How many want some new revelation? Genesis 14, verse 18. Abraham is meeting a man named Melchizedek. He's the king of Salem. And he says he brought out bread and wine and he was the priest of God Most High. Okay, we know that back in the Old Testament was a priesthood. Now we are what? A royal priesthood. Okay, and we know that Jesus Christ became the royal priest, the high priest. Okay, he became the priest for us. And so he is our priest. And he came in the line, the Bible says, of Melchizedek. And so Melchizedek, 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 however you want to say it, is his name. But it's not just a person, it's a lineage. Of the priesthood. Okay? And you can see that later in time, write it in your notes in Hebrews chapter 7. You'll see a whole chapter where it reiterates all this stuff. But I want you to see that what, what Abraham was doing here was establishing something before the law ever came along. And he was pouring his, his seed into, and I'm getting ahead of myself because I haven't read it yet. He was pouring himself, his, his seed of offering and money into Melchizedek, which was the priesthood, which would eventually be Jesus. So he was planting something way before Jesus ever came and way before the law ever even came. So he says he, he, uh, he, he got bread and wine from the king. And then look at verse 19. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, 
And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And so he blessed Abraham. And then watch what Abraham did. Abraham, what does it say in the end of your verse 20? Gave him a tithe of all. Gave him a tithe of all. Everything he had. Now some people say, well how come he just did that all of a sudden? How come he just gave a tithe all of a sudden? And how come we hadn't seen it before? And how can we really see it mentioned again? Let me show something to you really quickly and important. How many know that the word Trinity is not in the Bible? You're not going to see the word Trinity in the Bible, yet we believe in the Trinity. Yet, and all the way back in Genesis 1, you see that God said, And God said, Let us make man in our image. So we see the principle of the Trinity in Genesis without seeing the word Trinity. So we're seeing the principle of tithe through Abraham without seeing the word, give your tithes, give your tithes, tithe again, tithe here, tithe there. He's showing a principle. And you begin to see that all the way through the Bible. Okay? How many saw that right there? So here's one more thing for your notes. Jesus Christ, in his role as priest... Means Melchizedek, Melchizedek, sorry, and he says, My king is righteous or legitimate. So he sowed into that seed, Abraham did. Now we see in Genesis 28, go over there, Genesis 28, we're going to see another principle. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now in verse 20, let's go to 18 of chapter 28. It says, Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that had put on his head, set up a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He's at this place called Bethel. And he called the name of that place called Bethel, but the name of the city had been loose previously. Then uh, Jacob made a vow. Jacob made a vow, saying, God will be with me. If, sorry, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. See the, see the typology here? And of all, what does it say? That you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. Okay, y'all seeing this? So all of a sudden he's getting a revelation. The revelation has to come to these people because Jesus hasn't come yet. The law hasn't come yet. God is speaking to him and he gets this revelation from God. And he says, you know what? I want things to go well with me. This was way before the law. This was way before Malachi chapter 3. This was way before Jesus confirmed it. This was way before the church came along. Jacob, a mighty man of God, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has this amazing vision, this amazing uh, thought from the Holy Spirit that says, God, I'm going to make a vow or a covenant with you right now. And God, if you'll bless me, and what, what is, how does that tie into Malachi 3? There's, a, there's an if there. He says, if you give your tithes, I will pour out my blessings. Yeah. And so Abraham or Jacob says, God, if you'll take care of my food and take care of my clothes, I will give you a tenth of all that I have. Okay? And so he sets that up. And then that, I, I wanted to show you that that's before the law ever comes along. There's more verses inside of the law that say to tithe. But I wanted to give you a little background right there real quick. Now I want to 
show you a few more other things. How many give me a few more minutes here? Our citizenship is not on this earth. It's in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven, which is also what we eagerly wait for, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're looking for Jesus. We're looking for him to sound that trumpet and we're looking for him to come in the sky for us. Amen. And so we have to understand as human beings on this real earth that our citizenship is not here. That means that my uh, money provision is not here. I've preached messages before where I've got you to understand that your job is God-given for you to be able to be the messenger and the evangelist that you're supposed to be to fund you in the ministry for God. To fund you. And when you begin to look at your job that way, it changes your perspective. I have a job so that God can provide for me so that I can be his messenger, so I can be his evangelist. And my job's paying me to do that. But I want to give you some verses to get you to understand that God has supernatural provision. Okay? I've just given you a quick underlining of tithe. I'm going to give my tithe. I'm going to give what's God's. I'm going to make sure that I don't miss it. We've heard testimonies just recently about people being tempted not to tithe. And they didn't do it, and because they tithed and gave what God, what they knew were supposed to do, the blessing came. But the temptation was, don't do that, don't give. And then the temptation is, am I going to curse myself? Am I going to walk under the hand of, of Pharaoh, so to speak? Am I going to put my trust in the government? Am I going to put my trust? Listen, if your trust is in your job, you're, you're in trouble. Because you can lose it tomorrow. You, we have to be able to look at the economy right now and look at the forecast coming and say, God, I know you're going to take care of me. But you cannot expect God to take care of you if you're not in covenant with him. You have to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Don't be, don't be the person who, who cries wolf and then when you really need help, you're not going to get it. Don't be the person that when all calamity happens and the stock market breaks and, and things begin to go wrong and then you say, God, I need your help. Just like everybody does. When those things begin to happen, you will see, mark my word, the church of Jesus Christ that are in covenant with God rise above everybody else supernaturally. Supernaturally. You will see provision that is not from man. Okay, now that might sound like a bunch of marshmallow, hocus pocus, sounds good to be true stuff, but I'm going to show you in the word of God that's not that. God has always provided for his children in miraculous ways. Always. Always. Let me give you a few examples. First of all, let me give you a few good scriptures just to write down. We're not going to look at them. I want, I want you to write this down. A few things I really want you to use your pen on right now because you, you may need to go back to this later and remind the Lord. You need to train your eyes to see the unlimited provision of God. Okay, train your eyes to see the unlimited provision of God. That means your eyes are on the Lord and not on the situation that you're in. You may be in a horrible financial situation today God can get you out of it. He can break you out of it. He can set you free from it. He can turn things around in an instant. Because he's an amazing God. 
Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. John 10.10 says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Ephesians 3.20 says, this is the kind of God we serve. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. We serve an abundant Amazing God. Can you say amen? amen? I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 17. And I'm going to show you an awesome, quickly show you an awesome story of the miraculous. And this is just a couple. You know that God used ravens in the Bible to provide for Elijah? We know that God sent manna from heaven to take care of the people in the wilderness. God always shows in his Bible miraculous provision. Miraculous provision. Meaning, you know, you know why? Sometimes you, you might think, why in the world did you use a fish? Why in the world did you use uh, a raven? Has anybody ever asked that question or thought that? Well, here's why. Because he's miraculous. If he just brought some person along and said, here, here's some money, and that can happen, wouldn't be quite so miraculous. But to have ravens come and feed Elijah under the tree, Elijah must have been like, man, God, you're not joking, are you? Wow. A raven. 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Kings 7, 17. Say amen if you're there. Verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise. Go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded you, sorry, I commanded a widow there, watch this, this is crazy, to provide for you. I'm going to command a wit widow to provide for you. I'm going to, see, God doesn't need rich people. He just needs available people. I'm going to send you to a widow to take care of you. Amen. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you. They see I'm sweating up here. <laughs> Read on. And I know most of you are cold. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please, this is so crazy. Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. How many would have had some trouble even asking for that? I'd have had some trouble. I'd have been like, man, God, really? You want me to ask her for water? She's out here gathering sticks. She, she probably didn't look very clean. She probably looked like she was hungry. See, it was obedience on both sides. Elijah had to be obedient, and the widow had to be obedient. God always uses two sides. Sometimes in your life, if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you'll be the person who blesses. Sometimes you'll be the person who has to receive. But God will always put you in both sides. If you look back at your life this morning, you will look back at times where somebody provided for you miraculously. Somebody came through for you and you know God was in it. You know God came through. You know God was available. You know God used somebody that was miraculous. 
I mean, there's so many stories. We could spend hours on the stories. And the other side is sometimes God will use you to be the blessing. But God needs to get to a place where he can trust you. God needs to have you in a place where he'll li you'll listen to his voice. And if he says, give this, do that, go there, you'll do it. Giving is always sacrificial. Amen? Follow on with me. This is an awesome story. Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, this is crazy. This is so crazy. You know, I keep saying crazy because God asks us to do crazy things. He asks us to take our money and give it to somebody we can't see. And then trust us to believe that he'll provide. Don't go ahead of me on this story. She was going to get it and he called to her and says, oh, wait. While you're getting that water, can you get me some food too? What in the world? She's a widow. She's poor. Can you picture in your mind that widow? She's probably dirty. She's got an apron on. She's gathering sticks. She's probably skinny and dirty. Hey, can you give me some water? And, oh, wait, while you're getting me that water, can you get me some food too? That takes obedience. Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Watch this, verse 12. So she said, as the Lord your God lives... See, she recognized God in him first. I don't have any bread. I don't have any bread. Watch me. God's never going to ask you to give something you have if it's supernatural. Oh, that was a good place to say amen. See, some, some of you guys might not have ever got to that level of your giving yet where God asks you to give something you don't have. I don't have any bread. Don't lose me here. This is, I'm taking my time on this. This is important. God is speaking to her something he, she's going to have out of something she doesn't have. Don't miss that. He knew she didn't have no bread. God knew she didn't have no bread. But today, you're going to have bread. Because you are dealing with the Master. You're dealing with the master provider. You're dealing with the master of the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. I'm asking you to do something crazy, but there's a reason behind it. Because if you'll just obey, God has something even better for you. Watch this. As the Lord God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar. And look, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself. Watch this. And my son, that we may eat it and die that's why I said she probably wasn't looking too good she wasn't looking too nourished God's word is so amazing we're just going to go it's our last meal Elijah said don't fear I want God's rest I want God's blessings and I want God's best don't fear Here's the key word. Go. Or you can put a D on it. Do. Or a G on it. Give. Just give what I ask. Just do what I say. Just go where I say to go. 
Just please trust me. I'm God. But as you do go, (laughs) make me a small cake. And here's the key of the whole message. First. First. Y'all still here? Go make a cake. And as you make yours with that little, you know, meal you're going to die from, the little sticks you're gathering together, that little tiny thing, before you eat that meal, give me some first. Tithes is called first fruits. God did not ask this woman through Elijah to go make a meal and if you have any left over, I need some. Please get this. We have a generation of people and I feel bold enough to say it in the churches around the world who have an attitude of leftovers for God. If we take the tithe out of the church and we just give offerings, that's leftovers. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to all, and, and then if I, if I have any, I don't know if y'all have noticed, you usually don't have anything left over, by the way. If you live in the world, and most of us live in, there's usually not anything left over when you've paid your bills to give to God. And if you do, well, here's $5, God. Here's a tip. Here's a tip. This needs to be preached outside of here. Amen. Tips. Leftovers. Here, God. He said, no, I need you to go make your, what you're going to make. But before you feed your son and you, and, you, and you, give me first fruits. So you get paid. And you've got $1,200 worth of bills. I'm closing up. You've got $1,200 worth of bills. Just throwing out a number in your month. Say you get paid once a month. You got $1,200 worth of bills right there on the desk. And you get $1,000 in your check. Hmm. What am I going to do? Yeah, I guess I'm the only one that's ever been there. I lived two years like that by faith in Tucson in me and Carla's first ministry. Two years of making less on paper per month than our bills were. Had my own business, stopped my own business, took a small, tiny little salary at a small church in the inner city, and my bills were, sorry, my salary was $800 a month, and my house was 700 Had a painting business, made good money. My parents won't let me lie. Had a nice truck, had a good business. God said, leave that, go work in the church. And for two years, we had, I'm going to throw out a number, it's close, I don't remember, $1,600 worth of bills. House, cars, food, everything. Kristen was just a little kid, little baby, three three years old, two years old. $1,600 worth of bills. And my salary now, and Carla going to work at a daycare, was like twelve or thirteen hundred dollars a month coming in, and I did that knowing it. Right. I mean, that's not crazy. 
Pastor says, I want you to be full-time. Here's what I can pay you. We sit down. I said, Carla, guess what? I get to go full-time ministry. Yeah. Guess what? We're not going to make enough money to pay the bills. And you got to go to work. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't go down like that. You don't always see the sacrifices people make. You see now, but you don't always see the sacrifices. And for two years, I said, babe, we, tr- we need to trust God. Out of my line, for two years, or however long it was exactly, it doesn't matter. We made this much and owed this much. But every time we got paid, when I got that $400 every two weeks, guess what? The first thing I did was make my tithe check out. First. And always, and I'm bragging on myself, always gave more than the $40. Because I wanted to give an offering too. So we're, that don't make sense. Am I saying, what, does this even make sense? Nope. Why? Because we serve a crazy, miraculous God. Not crazy like local, just crazy, miraculous. Putting the crazy before the miraculous. Supernatural God. And somehow, some way, for two years, me and my wife not only paid the bills, we went out to eat. We had fun. We served in the ministry. We gave. Because we understood this principle right here. Go make me a small cake first. Bring it to me, and then afterward, make some for yourself and your son. I'm going to end today with this. As the musicians come, I could say a lot more. But I want you to think about this story. I, I have a whole bunch more notes I could have gotten into, but God's telling me to stop on this one right here. Get this in your understanding. First, fruits. I can't, I can't afford, people say, I can't afford to pay tithes. It's a funny statement to me. I can't trust God. God gave you that job. But you can't trust him with the money he's given you from that job. Every good and perfect gift is from God above. Every, let, me, let me throw out a crazy, another crazy. I don't know why that word's in here so much today. Another crazy stat. Somehow, some way, and listen, we're not talking about the mega churches that buy jets. We're talking about just general church. Somehow, some way, in the church world, the church exists. Somehow. You know how? By the crazy tithers. The crazy tithers. Because statistically, 20% of the church tithes. Not in ours, praise God. I don't believe, I believe ours is higher than that. Did you know that around the world, I gave you a bunch of statistics in the beginning, 20% of the church tithes. And yet somehow, the church still exists. You believe that? How? Because God is amazing. And he takes those faithful tithers and says, I'm going to use this little bit of money right here and I'm going to do something miraculous. See, when you tithe, you take your hands out of the cookie jar and you put God's hands on the cookie jar. 
and it works, doesn't it? Paul and Brennan saying it works. How many can say it works? I know there's a lot of people here who have testimonies. It works. And so God says on the only thing in the Bible you can test him on is money. Don't test the Lord your God. But he says in Malachi right there, he says, test me and see. If you will not give what I'm asking you to give, if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven upon you. And listen, it doesn't mean everything's going to be easy. doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. It means that when things get tight, it's awesome when it's not tight. We've all lived places and times and moments where we've had some moments that's not tight. A lot of times it's tight, though. And a lot of times it's because of us, because we spend what we have. We're all guilty of that. We spend money we don't have, so we make it tight. It's really not God. But... The good thing is, is even when I've made a mistake and I've got debt or I got bills or I got whatever, I've tithed and I get to the end of the month. I've said this before. You don't know how many times I've sat in that office and it's like, you think you wonder why I don't have any hair? I know why I don't have any hair. I don't know how many times I've sat in that office and looked at bills and said, God, how in the world are we going to pay the bills? But I said, God, our church tithes, I tithe, our people tithe, somehow, some way, you are going to do a miracle. You're going to come through, and you're going to pay the bills. And although we've been tight many, many times, struggled many, many times. See, it goes as the people go, the church goes. I would love to have thousands of dollars in the bank. I would love to have money to just give to people that need it all the time. But it just don't seem to work out that way. Because when you're outreaching, and you're going, and you're doing, it's always leaving. It's always going away. It's always gone. And you know what that means. That's tight. But here we are all these years later. Never been evicted. Never had the light bill turned off. People come, people go. God provides. God takes care of his church. Amen? How many have seen that in your own life? So I hope this morning, this last story right here, encourages you and reminds you that God asks for some craziness. Go make that cake. Yes, 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 go do it. But before you eat, make something for me. Here's the garden. You can have everything you want, but don't touch that right there. That's mine. That's mine. Everything you earn is yours, but 10% is mine. Do whatever you want with the other 90. 10% is mine. How many know he could ask for 90? And you know what? If he'd have asked for 90, we'd have some crazy people giving 90, and they'd still be making it. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we have to talk about these things sometimes because the love of money is the root of all evil. And God, we cannot love money more than we love you. And no matter how we slice the bread this morning, we all need money. We can't live without it. We have to have it to live. We have to have it to sleep. We have to have it to drive. We have to have it to have a church. So we want that money we have, whether it's little or much we want to be blessed we want to be able to rest have your best and be blessed this morning God because we don't want the curses we don't want to rob you we don't want to steal what's yours God we know that there's always a miracle around the corner as you're here this morning and we're closing out I want you to tell I want to tell you again there's always a miracle around the corner 
it's exciting to serve God. It's exciting to be a tither because you know there's always a miracle right around the corner. I don't know how you're going to do it this time, God, but you're going to do it. I don't know how you did it last time, God, but you did it. And there's just that faith that trusts God and says, God, please do what only you can do. This morning as you're praying and you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, how many here outside of tithes and offerings could say, Pastor, I don't know Lord, the Lord Jesus as my Savior. I'm not saved this morning and I need to be saved. I need to have Jesus come into my life and be Lord of my life this morning. I need to make sure that I'm right with God. I need to make sure my heart is pure with God. I've never said the sinner's prayer and I want to do that this morning. How many can say, that's me? Just put your hand up and put it right back down. I want to pray with you this morning. God wants to come into your life this morning. He wants to give you salvation. Maybe you're here and you're, you're lukewarm, you're cold, you're angry, you're bitter. You've, you've, you've fallen back into an old lifestyle that you don't want to live in. How many can say, Pastor, I need to come home this morning, get back on track. That's me. God sees your hand. God sees your hand. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. We're going to close out in the altar this morning. I want to, I want to pray specifically this morning for for finances, jobs, promotions, for decisions. To say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. Because said, everybody's in different places. Whether you don't, you do, you did, you've tried, you do sometimes, you do. Everybody's in different places. But I've presented the word to you this morning. God wants covenant. He wants trust. And if you'll do that, I promise you, you'll never, he'll never fail you. And listen, I'm not a prophet. I don't consider myself a prophet, but I know from the scriptures and from history and from the cycles and from the things I'm reading, some perilous financial times are on the horizon. Now, I don't say that to be doom and gloom. I say that because if I was a weatherman and I saw a tornado coming, I would say a tornado's coming. And so you can prepare. And, and I want to say one last thing, and I might talk a little bit about this tonight if the Lord leads. I cannot find in the Bible, there, there, there's different angles, of course, many times. There, there, you know, Joseph was told by the Lord there's going to be seven years of, of, uh, of, of blessing and then seven years of famine. And at that time, Joseph was used to store up and then he was able to bring back his brothers. That's a, remember that Jesus is a type of, sorry, Joseph is a type of Jesus. God is our provider. You're going to find times, in the, especially in the Old Testament, of those, of, of those examples. But you need to understand that in the New Testament, especially, Jesus always said, don't worry. Don't worry. He said in other stories, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. But store them up in heaven. And so the attitude that many, many have is we can be wise, of course. We can... We can have some extra food in the pantry, of course. You can have some extra water for something that could happen. But, you know, the false teachings today, for example, about the tribulation and the times to come, is let me just give you a, a heads up. You can't store up enough food for seven years. So if you're putting your faith in storing things up to make it through a time of trouble, you're not going to have enough. It's not going to make it. You might be lucky to get 30 days. How many of you are following what I'm saying? That means my trust is not in what I can do. My trust is in obedience and doing what God asked me to do. And then trusting Him to take care of the rest. 
not saying being foolish and just throwing things away. I'm not saying you can't save money and I'm not saying, but listen, there's times coming right now. If the dollar collapses, what good is it going to do to have $50,000 in the bank? If the dollar means nothing. Uh, the missionary, remember the missionary that was just here, Richard? He's, he said that in Ukraine, saw in Ukraine that it was a 150, right? 150 or one and a half to a dollar, okay? Meaning for 100, I think it was 150. Why didn't you guys see that number? Let's say 150, uh, I'm going to say colonies because that's what's in Costa Rica for a dollar, okay? So if you had 150 colonies, that means you, you had a dollar. And now it's 180 something thousand colonies to a dollar. Now, so that doesn't, the, the money means nothing. It's like toilet paper. There's going to come a day where the dollar's not going to mean anything. Am I saying that to scare you? No, I'm saying to tell you that God is our provider. But when that day happens, you better hope you're in covenant with God. Because the miraculous doesn't happen for those that are not in covenant with God. He's going to protect those who have trusted in him. Those who have laid up treasures not on earth, but in heaven. Those who have sowed, those who have believed, those who have said, God, I, I, I'm a little scared of what's, what I see in the horizon, but I know you always sent ravens to feed. You sent, you used the morsels of a, of, of a widow. You used the fish, in a, a coin in a fish's mouth. You will do the miraculous to take care of us. As we sing a song this morning, come make some choices and decisions for whatever the Lord spoke to you individually this morning on your walk with God about finances. Let's open up the altars as we pray.